Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to Better Than Before, the show that just doesn't get released. Sometimes it escapes. (laughs) This is the CEO Leaders Podcast Show, and we have one clear objective to provide tools, information, and entertainment to make you better than before in business and in life. You can subscribe to our podcast. Welcome to 2019, Bill. Well, same to you, Tony. I had a great holiday. How about you? Yeah, it was awesome. Ran into Bill at the grocery store, <laughs> and we were both looking like we need we need both needed a shave. Yeah, I didn't want anybody to see me that day. Um, but hey, that's okay. That's what vacation is for. You're supposed to look like Tom Hanks in that movie where he gets uh, marooned on the island. Yeah, that's exactly how I looked too. It was pretty rough. If we start looking like Wilson, then we're going to have a problem. <laughs> but I want to invite you to. Visit our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. We post new stuff almost every day. And our blog has over 400 posts on leadership and business. And every week, we release a new podcast on Tuesday. We release a new video or audio on Thursday. We have a guest blog on Wednesday. And I write a new original post every Friday. And while you're on the website, you might as well subscribe to our Monday Morning Memo e-newsletter. And you can get big ideas straight to your inbox every Monday morning. Insights, quotes, best practices, and a whole lot more. That's all available at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Did you watch much football over the holiday? You know what? I really didn't watch a whole lot of football. No? Well, if you didn't watch much football, you probably didn't see our first story The University of Texas mascot, a 1,700-pound longhorn steer named Bevo, knocked down the barricade at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans and charged toward Georgia's mascot, the bulldog named Uga. (laughs) I saw this when it happened on television. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to see somebody get killed right here on live TV. Wow. Because this longhorn steer is going to skewer somebody. But the English bulldog... Uh, which had a bright red Georgia sweater, was quickly pulled out of harm's way. But Bevo's head and horns appeared to make contact with several people, including a couple of photographers who scampered, <laughs> nice verb, <laughs> scampered out of the way or were knocked down. And Bevo was quickly restrained and there were no reported injuries. The incident, which took place about an hour after kickoff, was caught on video and has become a sensation on social media. Ricky Brennis, Bevo's official handler, says the steer was simply agitated because he wanted to walk around. (laughs) And Texas won that game 28-21. So in other news, the government shut down. How many times do you think the government has shut down since 1976? Oh, good question. I have no idea. October the 1st, 2013, it was shut down for 16 days. December 16th, 1995 is the longest so far at 21 days. November 14th, 1995, five days. 
October the 1st, 1979, 11 days. October the 1st, 1978, 17 days. December 1st, 1977, 8 days. November 1st, 1977, 8 days. October 1st, 1977, 12 days. And October the 1st, 1976, 10 days. Interesting. So the longest duration was 21 days under Bill Clinton, uh, December 16th, 1995. And so if it lasts until this coming Saturday, the 12th of January, the government shutdown would break the all-time record. Wow. The unskilled labor force is in the news. The employment gap has never been wider. The unemployment gap has never been narrower. So the unemployment rate in November dropped for those without a high school diploma and high school dropouts and edged higher for people who were more educated. The recovery uh, is consistently helping less educated workers find jobs, but cracks are beginning to show in industries like manufacturing, which are likely to hire them. The tightest labor market since 1969 is forcing companies to consider workers they may have overlooked when the unemployment pool provided more options. Walt Disney and Yum Brands, just to name a few, are offering upfront college tuition for their less educated employees, reversing the norm that requires workers to get the degree before launching a career. This is all in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago. That's pretty cool. I just get tired of hearing about big business being bad. And here we got a couple of large companies, Walt Disney and Yum, a couple of the largest companies in the world, offering to send some of their employees to college. Pretty awesome. All right, Bill. So online dating. What's your thoughts about online dating? Uh, I have not had any success with online dating. So you have done it? I've tried it. Well, do you think it would have been better if you would have had video? Probably. So now this is a new frontier for online dating. CEO of Match Group Incorporated, Mandy Ginsburg, says, including Tinder, Hinge, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, and LDSPlanet.com. This was also in the Wall Street Journal. Video, Mandy says, is going to play a role, whether people ultimately meet face-to-face, which I hope they do. Even having that connection and that video connection is going to be really important. We need to look in each other's eyes. Oh, I got to read this with feeling. (laughs) We need to look into each other's eyes, and we need to be able to share each other's lives, even if it's for five minutes. I guess that would make it awkward, though. I mean, if you're on video with somebody on online, you'd have to say, yeah, I don't think this goes. <laughs> well, it's cheaper than dinner. Yes. The most distant outer space object ever observed. Ultima Thule, observed on Tuesday by a NASA spacecraft 4 billion miles from Earth, is the most primitive object ever studied closely by a spacecraft. It is thought to be comprised of the building blocks of early planets measuring about 19 miles from end to end, and researchers hope this discovery will provide new data about how planets, and maybe even the Earth, might have formed. China reached a milestone in space exploration last week, landing a vehicle on the far side of the moon for the first time in history, the country's space agency announced. 
Yeah, I saw that in the news. And then finally, the stat of the day, which has become a nice regular feature here on Better Than Before. Coming up, by the way, we're going to talk about Facebook. So we have a nice little segment we're going to dedicate to Facebook. And I know we talk about Facebook a lot, but hey, they make a news. Yeah, they are. Right? I mean, they're a very influential company. And almost everybody we know kind of interacts with Facebook. So I'm going to talk about what Facebook knows about you. You'll kind of know if you're a participant on Facebook what you might be giving up. And I think you're going to talk about some of the data and stats that they release. Right. It's it's their marketing aspect of what they do. We're going to talk about that in our next segment. And then in our business and leadership lesson today, in our third segment, I'm going to be talking about how you can improve your priority decision making. So if setting priorities and making decisions around those priorities is, is important to you to get better in 2019, I'm your guy. So, stat of the day, research participants who had been induced to plunge their hands into ice water subsequently took 73% more pieces of candy from a bowl (laughs) than those who hadn't experienced pain. This team was led by Brock Bastian at the University of Queensland in Australia. Their reasoning is... Because people perceive pain as a form of punishment, they respond by feeling entitled to give themselves a reward after, particularly if they believe the pain was unfairly inflicted. Interesting. Now, if I run out of candy early this Halloween 2019, I'm going to know you parents have shoved your kids' hands into ice water before you came to my house. (laughs) That ain't cool. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We'll be right back with Facebook as the topic next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Are you ready to up your game? Attend the Exponential Leadership Retreat from February 26th through 28th. In these three days, you'll receive personalized leadership coaching in a small group setting led by Tony Richards. Learn to communicate like a leader, understand your motivators, and differentiate yourself from your peers. As a business coach and consultant, I work with leaders every day to help them up their game and lead their team to victory. During this leadership development experience, you will receive the tools you need to unlock your potential. Invest in yourself and gain the same access to Tony that his C-level clients receive. Register for the Exponential Leadership Retreat online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, along with producer Bill. How long have you been on Facebook? Maybe seven years. So this would be my 11th year on Facebook. Really? 
You know, at Facebook, the people advertise on Facebook. You're aware of that, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. We have advertised. Well, what you may not know is that they have been inflating their numbers of people that are watching videos and reading advertisements. And I can't believe everything that I hear on advertising. Well, not so much that, but they're inflating the statistics, the metrics that you would get if you placed an ad. Uh-huh. And the number of clicks that people are, are clicking on. So if I pay some money to run a Facebook ad mm-hmm. and then I get my count back from them about the amount of people that I reached, I may not be able to count on that 100%? Uh, pretty much, yes. There's a group of uh, small advertisers that are suing Facebook and they filed a suit back in October. They're claiming that 150 to 900% of what is being reported as a metric is wrong. Wow. And Facebook is admitting that it isn't fully accurate, but they're only admitting that it's 60 to 80%. So if I want to advertise on Facebook and then I get my numbers back from them, I should subtract 60%? That's what they're saying. Awesome. Their metrics that they're using, um, if you scroll past an ad, that's considered a view. And I don't click. Right. But it's scrolled past. I see. Yeah. So it scares me, really, when I think about it. I've been on Facebook for 11 years. Right. And I've put a lot of stuff on Facebook. I wouldn't say I've put a lot of just highly personal stuff on Facebook. But the thing you need to realize is you may think you're the most cautious person in the world who's on Facebook, but their dossier on you is going to be pretty thick and hefty. So where does your Facebook presence actually begin When you create a Facebook account, they're going to ask you for your name and your birth date along with a phone number or email. Then there's all the information you give Facebook as you fill out your profile. So where you went to school, your current and past occupations, relationship status, hometown, current city. I never put my physical address in there. The other stuff I have, birth name website and social links well i think i've got the clear vision website in there Mm -hmm. i don't know that i have any other links to other like there's not a link to my linkedin profile or my twitter account i don't think all of this stuff though forms the core of the profile facebook uses to give you advertising right so you ever notice that your favorite sports team t-shirt will show up all of a sudden. Like, even though I've lived in Missouri for 25 years, I will still see a Kentucky t-shirt show up on Facebook based on your college you went to or where you grew up or your current job. It's feeding all this information to feed you advertising. So Facebook has near total awareness of every move you make on the website or on its apps, including this list. When you log in, how long you spend online, where you're logging in from, if you log out and log back in and you're traveling, it'll say, welcome to Cleveland, if you're in Cleveland. It can also go, you ought to try Tony's Restaurant while you're in Cleveland. So it'll suggest places for you to go and eat or visit. It'll probably even serve up some local advertising to you if you've logged out and logged back in. It will also keep track of all the places you check in. You remember when checking in was a big thing? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever done it, but Facebook keeps track of that too. 
the pages, accounts, hashtags that you connect with, and not just who you're connected with, but how often you interact with that person and how long. Oh, interesting. If you choose to upload your phone book or your call history, it keeps track of that. Things you buy directly from or through Facebook, but also things you may not think about, like the metadata from photos you upload. Uh, your friends can tag you in posts and photos, which all that information goes to Facebook. Then there's Messenger. So Messenger can collect information on who you talk to, how often you talk to them, how long you talk to them, as well as any phone history if users opt in. But the company says it isn't serving ads based on the content of users' messages. Now, what about outside Facebook? So Facebook sees you less thoroughly outside its own digital footprint, but it still sees a lot of what you're doing online. So this data comes from two places, one, partner services and third-party information brokers. So Facebook has tools that partner websites use to integrate with Facebook, including the inclusion of when you like something, when you share something, as well as cookies that are tracking known as Facebook pixels. And they know where you are in your location, even if you haven't directly given it permission to access your GPS by tracking your IP address of the phones, computers, and other devices that you're using to access. Wow. Many apps are connected to Facebook, including its popular Facebook login feature, which uses your Facebook account as a shortcut for you to log into other stuff. Right. Which I always create a separate login. Same here. So what about following you at home or around your town? Facebook's new portal video chat system is basically a camera that lives in your home. Facebook promises the device doesn't monitor or record anything, However, because it uses Messenger, Facebook says it does know who you call and how long you call. It doesn't know everything you do offline, but it does have some data from a retail point of sale location as well as Bluetooth beacons. This is like a whole new language, isn't it? I know. What Facebook does with all this data, they says very emphatically that it does not sell your information, which we know that they have in the past. Uh -huh. It does use the data to sell you to advertisers who want criteria for people they want to sell stuff to. So the more the company knows about you, the more valuable those advertisements can be. It also uses the information to enhance its social graph which it uses to build new features and products and to power its suggestions of, hey, here's some people you may know. What Facebook does not know about you, they insist that it does not monitor your phone calls or secretly record you via microphone despite long-running suspicions by people to the contrary. Interesting. But how can I trust you? Once you kind of violate, like selling the user data, I mean, if you thought about Facebook as a friend, so this friend sells a bunch of information about you to people who want to disturb you at home. Are you going to go back to that friend of yours and continue to share information with yeah, them? Yeah, not a good friend. Well, right. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 
So yeah, I understand that you emphatically deny you will never record me, but how can I trust you? So I don't know. I'd be interested. You can put some comments on our Clear Vision Development Group Facebook page if you like. What is your thoughts about some of this? I've known people who just deleted their account. They're just off it. They're using Instagram for picture sharing between family and friends. And, you know, I probably use Twitter more than any social media platform. But Facebook is just sort of everybody does it, so I do it. Right. I'm probably not what they're looking for. I'm rarely on Facebook. I guess it might be a little biased, but I think I'll put up a Twitter poll about this. Oh, yeah. Are you like me? Have you been on Facebook 11 years and you do it because other people do it? Have you deleted your account? Were you once a user and now quit? I'm just interested. You're not on Facebook a lot, are you? No, and I don't really post a whole lot either. So why do you have it? You know, I've made contact with people that from my past. Well, you better be careful now because we, we're watching you. <laughs> okay, so proceed with caution. That's all I'm saying. And I don't care if you use Facebook. You know I use Facebook. I'm just trying to educate our audience. Don't say we didn't tell you. <laughs> you ever think about that when you're on Facebook and this, well, you probably know these people. Does it ever cross your mind like how they know you might know them? Because I always know them. Yeah, and I've always wondered how they know to place a Home Depot ad right after I had been shopping that same exact item on Home Depot. Yeah. You know what I think is going to be funny? is going to be with the day you log into Facebook and a video comes up of you just previously having been to Home Depot. <laughs> Look, there's me buying that sink at Home Depot. Right. And you probably need these decorative items to go with it. Yeah. Well, you know, at what point does it become really creepy? I mean, it's a little creepy now, but at what point does it... I think we're there, man. <laughs> you think we're I th- there? I think we're there. Did you hear all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not surprised. I mean, right now, we're sitting here recording this podcast, and Facebook could be recording us recording. <laughs> they say they're not. But they could be because you've got a camera. Mm -hmm. I've got a camera on my Mm -hmm. computer over here. Yep, I have Facebook on my computer. It could be happening. Yeah. Well, hello, Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I've got your leadership and business lesson next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because we grew up here and we raised our family here. This is our home. Which means we care for customers like we care for the community. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Welcome back to Better Than Before. It's time for our leadership and business lesson today. And I want to talk to you about priorities and decision making. So 2019 is right here upon us. This is the time where people are putting their strategic plans together. I thought I would go over how to develop your priority-based decision-making. So I've broken it down into three components and then some individual items under each of the three major components. The first thing is, what is a priority? You may not realize this, but priority means one. It doesn't mean many. When someone tells me I have many priorities, I always think you don't have any priorities. You got a bunch of stuff that you think might be important. Number one is decide on the important, not the convenient. Just like you got to be diligent and have the right kind of insight to ensure you're not working on yesterday's priorities, it takes a lot of practice to get this right, to learn how to set those rock-solid, really important items that we call priorities. And one of the biggest challenges for leaders is accurately prioritizing work that's really going to matter over the next several weeks, months, quarters, and over the year. And have that track back to them, what you can do on a daily basis to achieve some of that. And you don't want to fall into the role of playing top priority for every other thing that comes down the pike. Your priorities are just that. They are single, very big issue items that don't really change all that much. And to help manage your priorities and hit some deadlines, here's some six steps that you can take to prioritization. The first thing I would do is make a big brain dump list. So everything that you think might be important, not necessarily urgent, not necessarily convenient, but important, just dump them all down on a big old list. The second step is identify urgent versus important. If you have any items that need immediate intention, if you have things that can be knocked out very quickly, they're probably not priorities that you need to work on over a, a week or a month or a quarter or a year. If they're very urgent, go ahead and just knock them out, cross them off and get them out of the way, right? I'm talking about items that if you don't get them completed by the end of the day or in the next several hours, they're going to have serious negative consequences. You're going to miss a client deadline. You're going to miss a publication deadline or when something's supposed to be done at a certain time. Those are things that are urgent. Just go ahead and take care of them. Check to see if there are any high-priority dependencies that rely on you finishing up a piece of work right now. Get those out of the way. Then go back and over the remaining things in your list, start assessing value for each of the items. Look at your important items and identify what carries the highest value and return to you, your business, and organization. As a general practice, you want to recognize exactly which types of tasks have top priority over others. For example, focus on client projects. Uh, maybe over work that you're doing internally in the company. Another way to assess value is to look at how many people are going to be impacted by this item. In general, the more people that are involved or impacted, the higher the value of the priority. Number four step, put them in order according to difficulty. Now, this is one of the most challenged things in my coaching. I want you to start with the one that's going to take the most effort. 
So whatever you think is going to take the most effort to get finished, that's the one I want you to start on. Productivity experts suggest that the tactic of starting with the lengthier task first, but if you feel like you can't focus on your meatier projects before you finish up the shorter task, go with your gut and do that. It can be motivating to check a small task off the list before diving into deeper waters, but we talked about that, right? If you can get them done quickly, go ahead and get those done. But once you have your list kind of in order, the one that's the hardest, that's the one I'd put at the top of the list. Step number five, be flexible. Uncertainty and change, they're a given. Know that your priorities will change and often. But here's the trick. You want to stay focused on the tasks you're committed to completing. Don't add to and don't subtract from. Get your list down to a point where this is the list. And I'm not modifying my list unless some unusual circumstance comes up. This is my list. It's not going to change one way or the other. This is what I'm going to get done this day, this week, this month, this quarter, this year. And finally, step number six is know when to throw out. Most people, when they make out their list, they're not going to get to everything on it. After you prioritize all these things and you look at your estimates, cut the remaining stuff out and focus on the priorities that you know you must and can complete. Then take a deep breath and dive in and get some stuff done. I usually think that five things, if you can do five really important needle-moving priorities per day, that's pretty awesome. If you did 25 very important things that make a huge difference to your company per week, you're walking in tall cotton. Make sure you know what to keep, what to throw out. So sometimes doing a stop doing list helps. So you know, hey, I just need to pitch this out. This doesn't fit. Maybe we'll get to this another time, but right now it's not in my focus. Number two pillar, priority decisions require deep thinking. And I've been talking to you in previous podcasts about having this strategic time to yourself to do some heavy-duty thinking and think about things that you want to accomplish. And we've talked about how you can utilize that time. We've talked about cleansing your life. We've talked about cleaning up your relationships. We've talked about educating yourself. And we still have more that we're going to give you as suggestions on how to use that strategic time. But here is a great place to do it also. It gives you a chance to do some deep thinking about your priorities. If you're easily distracted and unable to focus, You need some time to think, and the way we think can make or break us. Quality thoughts create supportive beliefs, and all our behaviors are directly connected to our beliefs. We do not engage in behaviors that we don't believe in first. Negative and unbeneficial thought processes can make us more likely to give up when the going gets tough. It's time to change all that thinking for the better and introduce some deep thinking into our lives and into our careers. Deep thinking requires effort and patience. On one hand, effort is necessary to learn the fine art of thinking deeply. And on the other hand, effort is required to maintain your focus on one particular train of thought. If you're easily distracted, if you get off your train of thought very easily, this might be more difficult 
for you, but not impossible. It's just like learning how to work out at the gym or lift weights. It's going to take a little bit to begin, and before you know it, you'll be into a routine and you'll be doing heavy lifting as far as deep thinking is concerned. Some people have great difficulty with it, right? Especially in times of increasing attention deficits and tempting distractions and smartphones and Facebook and Twitter. And so it takes a lot of mental strength to refocus whenever you start to lose focus. The other thing is it takes a lot of energy when you're you're not sleeping well or when you're tired, you're more easily distracted than when you have a large supply of energy that you can stave off those uh, temptations to get unfocused. Thinking deeply is, if we were to define it, is the progress of gradually increasing the quality and depths of your thinking. And we can accomplish this by diligently replacing inferior and shallow thinking with more qualitative and supportive thinking. But deep thinking is not just about replacing your thinking. It's about entertaining thoughts of a higher quality and exploring where these thoughts can take you. Deep thinking helps you to specifically focus your attention on a particular thought or idea instead of being constantly distracted by irrelevant thoughts that lead you nowhere. Thinking deeply can aid you in blocking those thoughts off. And when you do that, a higher level of mindfulness is promoted, which is going to help you entertain quality thoughts for a longer period of time. And there's a lot of benefits to doing this. One of them is that thinking deeply promotes a higher level of independence of thought. And we all like to think that we're independent thinkers, right? We don't like to think that anything controls us. But unfortunately, undisciplined thinking can control us just like disciplined thinking can. In the age of information overload, a depth of thinking is less and less valued by everybody. The number of people addicted to various kinds of distractions is rapidly increasing. In a lot of people's lives, there's no longer a mental and physical space that's not penetrated by technology. Smartphones keep us connected to the internet wherever we go, whatever we do. And as a result, the switch from being active, working, chatting, playing, watching, to a more passive state of thinking and reflecting and having this strategic time to ourselves does not occur. The craving for information makes it incredibly difficult to actually experience the magnificent joy of solitude and a deeper level of thought. Instead of seeking answers to our questions within, we've grown used to just seeking answers on Wikipedia or Google. After all, it's a lot easier to do that with your question instead of thinking and reflecting on it. The problem is certain questions cannot be answered in this manner, and the process of thinking deeply can be divided into three different parts. I figured you're going to ask me, how do I think deeply? Well, number one, you got to have the right environment. Highly distractive and noisy environments do not promote deep thinking. Therefore, it's important to find a peaceful and comfortable spot where there's no distractions. Choose an area where you can let your thoughts unfold freely. Your nearest park or nature in general is great. Your own room is just fine, just wherever you're not going to be interrupted for a certain amount of time. Number two, cut out the distractions. 
Distractions prevent you from concentrating on quality, and they keep you from ever reaching a deeper level of thinking. It is therefore immensely important. Are you listening? It's therefore immensely important to reduce the impact distractions have on your mind. If you eliminate distractions from your environment and your mind, you create more space for deep thinking. Some distractions can be easily removed, such as your smartphone, which you can lock away or turn off. Other distractions are more difficult to control as they require a certain level of mental strength. This is the case with surfing on the Internet. It's going to take a little discipline to seek only what you need on the Internet without getting distracted. Mental distractions retain our thinking processes on the surface level, which prevents us from ever exploring the depths of our minds. While most people understand that television and technology gadgets distract us, they neglect that there are other distractions that are just as destructive. Basically, everything that doesn't encourage your own individual deep thinking can be a distraction. Every piece of information we simply pick up without thinking about it is a meaningless distraction. You ever know those people when you walk by their computer and you look at their internet browser and there are 16 tabs open? Well, they started on one tab and then they opened a new window and another new window and another new window and another new window and they're down 22 rabbit holes. That's what I'm talking about. Number three step to deep thinking is practice builds your concentration muscle. Removing distractions from your life provides an important fundamental item for deep thinking. This alone is not enough. It is important to build upon the fundamental strong framework by learning to concentrate, which is going to help you cultivate deep thinking. Without being able to concentrate yourself, you're going to lose focus. Concentration helps you maintain your focus on a specific thought or idea without allowing mediocre or irrelevant thoughts to interfere. What if you made that a goal for 2019? I'm not going to think irrelevant or mediocre thoughts. Sounds painful to me. Concentration is difficult to come by, so you're going to have to work at it. You can't simply will yourself to be more concentrated. You can't just sit there and say, I will concentrate more, I will concentrate more, I will concentrate more. Concentration must be developed. It takes practice, dedication, and effort to increase and develop your concentration muscle. So the three pieces to deep thinking is create the right environment, cut out the distractions, and practice building your concentration muscle. We've learned how to set priorities. We've talked about introducing deep thinking in at number two. And number three is just a proverb I want to share with you. Successful people make decisions quickly and change them rarely, where unsuccessful people make decisions slowly and change them often. Many times we call them wafflers. They waffle back and forth. And it takes forever to decide and they change and they modify and they change and they modify and they change and they modify. Whereas some people just like, okay, that's my decision. Let's go with it very quickly and rarely change. So there are a couple of items I want to share with you on this. Number one, set your priorities. And if you've got more than five, you've got too many, right? Number two, get your thinking right. We talked about that. How to increase your time of developing your mind and disciplining it to do some really good thinking. Number three, 
get a realization of control. It's important to focus on what's in your control. When you get distracted worrying about things that are outside your control, it's going to drive you nuts. It's going to create delays. It's going to cause you to waffle. The more you focus on what you can control, the quicker you will be at making decisions. Number four, get to the point where you can understand pattern recognition. Most of what we face every single day is similar to other scenarios we've already experienced sometime in our life. By understanding this, it's possible to quickly map a range of previous experiences and their outcomes. Leverage those pattern recognitions to arrive at the most viable decision. Over time, as you make decisions, speed and quality will improve. Where you begin to recognize this looks like that. And if this looks like that, this must be the answer, right? Number five, put a time limit on yourself. Oh my God, this is a big problem for a lot of people. They just refuse to do a self-imposed deadline. Your brain automatically works faster when it has limited time, not unlimited time. So when you tell your brain to organize itself quickly and efficiently, and it only has 15 minutes to do it, it will get to working. It may hurt a little at first, but it will develop, grow, and adjust if you don't let your brain off the hook. I've done exercise after exercise in workshops with participants where I've proven time and time again, I give them 10 minutes to make a list of 50 things. And man, they go to work on it because they only got 10 minutes. And you'd be amazed at what people can come up with in 10 minutes when they know there's only 10 minutes. But if you said, hey, over the next three or four days, whenever you have time, maybe you could come up with a list for me, that person's going to come up with it about 10 minutes before you need it. So you've got to discipline yourself and give yourself time limits. Come hell or high water, I'm going to do this by 2 p.m. today. I am not going to do it past 2. By 2 o'clock today, I'm going to be finished. When you start telling yourself those things and you put your brain on notice that it only has a certain amount of time to accomplish this task, it will work faster and more efficient than you've ever seen before. Number six, keep a record of your hits and misses. This is something that I've done for years. Just like in sports where you have a free throw percentage or in baseball where you have a batting average, keep track of your batting average on decisions. If you only have five priorities and some of them come with decisions, keep track and record of that. Well, in January, maybe you decided to do X. Did that decision turn out to be good or bad? Was that a good decision you made or did you miss it? Just so you know which ones you got right and which ones gave you lessons. Most experts will agree that 70% of your decisions are going to be wrong. What does that tell you? Make sure your most important decisions and outcomes fall in the 30% range. So if only 30% of the decisions you make are going to be successful, your big life-changing decisions need to fall in the 30. And if you happen to choose the wrong place to go out to eat or you pick the wrong movie to watch and that turned out to be a bad decision, let that fall in the 70 because we're all going to do it. We're all going to make a left turn on a one-way street sometime. 
So just make sure those kinds of things fall in the 70 and the big stuff that you really need to make decisions on uh, fall in the 30. And one thing that you'll learn, CEOs already know this, but as CEO, you make a lot less decisions, but they're more impactful, bigger, and more important. So when you're in the lower levels of the company, you're making a lot of decisions every day. But as you rise up the organization till you get to the C-suite, you're going to make less decisions, but man, are they going to be important and impactful. Wouldn't it be interesting to see what your decision average would turn out to be over 2019's time frame? Metrics help us track our progress and our proficiency. So keep a record of your hits and misses. And finally, number seven, get a coach. And possibly an advisor. I function as both coach and advisor. Get a coach advisor that you can run things past that is not emotionally connected. This is going to help you get an outer perspective and hopefully keep you from asking everybody you come in contact with about what you should do. Getting advice is smart, but resist the temptation of going to too many people or getting too many viewpoints. That can just be confusing. So decide who's going to be my advisory two or three people that I'm going to consistently go to for advice and or perspective uh, because I can trust them and they've proven to me that they can give me good, solid perspective and information. And one final thought on how to develop your priorities and decision making is when you're trying to do something new, you're not going to have 100% of the information you think you need. There are not always going to be industry reports or best practices to adhere to. So, accept that you will be wrong 25% of the time and try to make as many decisions as possible followed by really strong execution and you'll be just fine. So, we've been talking about how to develop your priority-based decision-making And that's your leadership business lesson on this week's episode of Better Than Before. We're sponsored by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief main head honcho producer, Bill Foster, I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.